All right. Season one, episode five. Let's talk about hurricane. Here are we a go. Last episode, we kind of talked about the turning point in the season where the first three episodes, we're getting to know the town, we're getting to know these characters, and it's a little lighthearted besides the fact that Pacey's having an affair with a teacher. And episode four really took a turn for the dramatic, and I think that really kept ramping up during this episode because it was, we deal with a lot of issues. It's a lot, it's very dramatic. There's a lot of really heavy stuff. Including, and this is the first time we see this in the season, I think, a lot of notes of underlying racism and homophobia. Yeah. Which was very alarming to me. I guess I shouldn't have been that surprised given the time period, um, especially with a 2020 lens. But yeah, I was very blown away by um, how homophobia, racism, and even in some cases, rape was um, addressed. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll, as these issues come up through the episode, we'll dive deeper into each of them because yes. someone should, because the episode doesn't. 100%. So Hurricane, season one, episode five, first aired February 17th, 1998. The Netflix description says, preparations for a big hurricane expose the truth about Mrs. Leary's affair. I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. Mrs. Screek's affair. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Yeah, because I was like, who's Mrs. Leary? But. Yeah, I know. Our fans are very confused right now. It's Mrs. Creek. (laughs) So the very first shot of this episode is a framed photo of Steven Spielberg on Dawson's nightstand. Who do you think is a bigger fan of Spielberg? Kevin Williamson or Dawson Leary? Dawson's Creek. Probably Dawson because he's a fucking loser. (laughs) I say that as I lay here as we record this podcast with a Derek Jeter blanket. Oh, so I'm not much better. I have to say I'm not much better than Dawson, but I don't have a framed picture of the person who I don't even know and who does not care about me on my nightstand, except for my dad. Just a blanket. <laughs> I'm really glad that you caught that because I was like, damn, that was a really funny joke. And then I didn't want you to fly over it. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, uh, it had to land here in the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. No time difference. I liked it when I heard it. I mean, I didn't like it. It made me very uncomfortable, but I liked it as a joke. Yeah, it's okay. I missed the framed picture of Spielberg, so good eye. Really? Yeah. Oh. I was more, um, you know, a, a storm is a Bruin, and I was more taken by the wind knocking. Oh, I guess it knocked over the framed post picture yeah. of Spielberg. So I guess it's a metaphor. Storm's coming in and knocking over childhoods. His hopes and dreams, which is something we are familiar with. It's like a storm every two days here. (laughs) (laughs) They're watching Twister. Joey and Dawson are in Dawson's bedroom watching Twister. And when the movie ends, they flip over to the news where we learn that Hurricane Chris is coming to town, which sometimes is referred to as Hurricane Christopher. And sometimes it's referred to as Hurricane Chris. And I like that they're on a like a nickname basis with this hurricane. I wrote down that wouldn't it have been great for them to call it Hurricane Bob, even though that is way too on the nose. And then later on, Dawson calls it Hurricane Bob. And I was like, God damn it. Me and Dawson are on the same page about the Hurricane Bob thing. You're on a mind meld with Dawson. We really are. Maybe me and Dawson are two peas. Maybe you're so close to him that that's why you're so against him. 
Yeah, maybe he represents me in my Derek Jeter blanket. I know you both very well at this point, and I much prefer you to him. And if I'm being honest, prefer you to almost anybody, but certainly to him. Oh my God, you're so sweet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's mute. Uh, schools are closed because of the our, uh, hurricane here. I, hurricane is a hard word for me to remember because I'm from San Diego. I don't. What's a hurricane? I've seen him on TV, I guess. And so the weatherman tosses it back to Mrs. Screek after saying that the schools are closed. And soft B Bob, Gail says, tomorrow's a good day to just stay in bed. And this is, for once, I'm on Dawson's side because Dawson's like, could they be any more obvious? And no, they couldn't. No. She is the worst at this. Quite literally the worst. She deserves every consequence that's coming her way. Dawson, still pretty heartbroken, obviously, about the whole ordeal. And tells Joey he doesn't want to watch another movie, which is how you know it's serious. Yeah, but don't tell Stevie Spiels he said that because he'll really care. Dawson still hasn't told his mom about the affair. And then as Joey leaves, we've got a very nice shot. I mean, I know what you did last summer poster. Oh, yes, for sure. Kevin Williamson, got to give him some credit for pumping up his own other shit. Yeah. He's his own hype man. Let's all be as proud of ourselves as Kevin Williamson. As white men. As proud of himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, just in general, as white men. Yeah. And then as Joey leaves, she says, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy life. What a line. Oh, my God. I loved it so much because it is so, so tacky. But if I were to be watching this as a 9 or 10-year-old in 1998, like live on the WB in my bedroom, I would have eaten that shit up. I would have quoted that on my AIM profile. I would have, like, written it on my hand in ink. Like, fasten your seatbelt, it's going to be a bumpy life. That would have resonated with 10-year-old Ashley. I am so sure that that line did not sneak past me at 13. I I feel very confident that I really held on to it for a little while. I don't know what I did, did with it. But when I heard it, it was, like, muscle memory. Yeah. You know? If letterboards were trendy back then, that would have been on my letterboard. Instead of this Hamilton quote that I have on my letterboard, which is probably just as tacky and stupid. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Because I, I think that there's a very big difference between Hamilton and fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy life. True. Uh, but the listeners don't know that on the Hamilton quote that is on my letterboard is just Alexander Hamilton. It's not like that's the quote. So I don't know. <laughs> it's a good quote, though. Still means a lot to you. you know? uh, and then we're in act one as the town prepares for the storm. And it looks like a miserable time. I'm very glad I've never had to do this. It looks awful. And I'm very sorry to anybody listening who has to do this every year. Uh, yeah. Anyone on the eastern seaboard. Wait, can I just point out that I have said that I said this, I think, in our first episode. But I am really, really bummed that I'm missing out on the Paula Cole opening. It truly is just not the same. And it's like one of the only things I really remember about Dawson Cre- Dawson's Creek growing up. And I just, I really wish that I can experience it. Would it make you feel better if you had the opening credits song and then when it popped up on Netflix, you could mute it and then press play for Paula Cole? I think I'm going to do that next time. Okay. I think you should. Thank you. I'm here to support you. At home, Gail's mad because she's not allowed to go to the station and cover the hurricane because she's a woman. This is literally the only time I'm on her side because that's yeah. totally why she can't cover the hurricane is because she's a lady. Yeah, and she's rightfully pissed about it. And then I remember everything I know about her and then I'm like, ugh, you get one, Gail. Fucking Gail. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Manmeat is headed to go help Grams and Jen. 
Uh, so Dawson, which is so nice. Oh my god, Mr. Manmeat. Manmeat of the year. And he knows, he must know Grams doesn't even like him. Why wouldn't Grams like him? Grams doesn't like that Leary boy, so he must not like, she must not like the family, I guess. Mr. Manmeat, though, can we get him on this show? We can get him on the show. He's dying to come on. He He's constantly in our DMs. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this show hasn't aired yet. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> what if I never? What if we never air the show and we just keep doing them? <laughs> because I just really want to talk to you. I want to like really nail down a way to be able to talk to you every single weekend. And I want you to watch Dawson's Creek because I want you to like it the way that I like it. But I never record or anything. I never air the show. <laughs> what a maniacally brilliant way to accomplish that! Because you got you fit you did it. You figured it out. Oh my gosh. So while Mr. Mammy is over with Grams and Jen, Dawson starts to kind of like test out the waters a little bit about telling his mom that he knows about the affair. He talks about how great his dad is. And when his mom says that Bob is covering the hurricane, Dawson says he's a great guy, which is a real big eye roll because he's not. And then, oh, no, Gail says that he's a great guy, which Gail, yeah, pull yourself together. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Dawson says his dad's a great guy. Bob's just the anchor man. And it, in that moment, it feels like Gail definitely knows I would really hope so like otherwise she has a really hard time picking up on context clues although Gail is very brazen about having this affair very openly in her own home so who knows with Gail um that's when he Dawson calls him Hurricane Bob I know I was like damn it we're on the same page me and Dawson I like that for you guys I like this friendship um and then homophobic jokes because we're on the beach with Pacey and his brother, Officer Doug, Deputy Doug, played by Dylan Neal. Uh, so many homophobic jo- jokes. And my thought here was like, this, these jokes are not funny. And it really sucks that this, in 1998, was just like normal. Like this played on network television in prime time and nobody was like, hey, we don't like these jokes. These are not funny. Right. I mean, some people obviously were, but not enough for it to be. I'm sure some people didn't love it. Because also they're really honing in on the common joke or the thing that a lot of people used to do was accuse someone of being gay as if being gay is something bad. Which is something I think that we've hopefully moved past now. And so it was really jarring to see in this episode for sure. Yeah. He was like, well, you're gay because you like musicals. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that liking musicals is what constitutes as being gay. In such a negative way. Yeah. Also, the writers of this show sat down and were like, what is a way to make the Pacey and Tamara storyline even worse? Oh, make his dad the chief of police. Yes. I mean, brilliant move. But (laughs) when they said it, I was like, oh, fucking course. We're headed for trouble. We should be headed for trouble here. Yeah. But Doug is super cute. Doug is super cute. And according to him... He's the straightest guy he knows. So, which is another weird thing to say. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Doug has a just a strong jaw. Mm-hmm. He's got that chiseled jawline. Watch out! It can poke you in the neck. You know when you're necking. Yeah. Like they did in uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." Uh, over with Bess and Bodie. Bodie wants their baby boy to be circumcised, but Bess doesn't. And on that conversation, they head to Dawson's. So they're all going to head over to Dawson's. Super quick beat about a little unborn baby's peen and uh, we're out. All the information is in the scene. They're, why why fluff around it, you know? Yeah, it's in and out. <laughs> Let's go. Which is how Bess got herself into the situation anyway. 
Oh. Hello. I'm available for booking. <laughs> I'm funny today. I'm in a mood, man. I love it. I'm very into this. Pacey's still working with Officer Doug and ends up at Tamara's house where we learned that he calls her Tammy. Ugh. It gets worse every episode as if that's possible. It is because it does. Absolutely. You think you've seen the worst? Now we're bringing in a nickname. Yeah, but Pacey's just so darn cute. I would have totally been a Pacey girl back then. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously, because I hate Dawson. But what we're learning today is that maybe you hate him because you love him so much. A part of you is just trying to, like, guard your heart, you know? Pacey goes in for a kiss, and they're almost caught because Doug is already there helping secure the house. And you almost, you kind of feel bad for Doug in the beginning of this episode because he's being bullied by Pacey. And then you feel less bad because Pacey is bullied by Doug. Doug's like just shitting on him and calling him a, what does he call him? A goof, I guess. It's not that bad, but it gets way worse as the episode goes on. But he just kind of shits on Pacey in front of what at that point is just his teacher. Yeah, it, no matter who it is, like, that's pretty rude. The circle, the vicious cycle of teasing has commenced for Pacey. And he makes his little faces. No. He's so sad. He, like, really wears his emotions. Yeah. Back with the Learys, Mitch has convinced Grams and Jen to come over. <laughs> As they're walking in, uh, she's Mitch is, like, still trying to convince Grams to come over, even though they're already at the house. And Grams goes... If the Lord blows away my house, so be it. And Jen, I don't know why I thought this was so funny. Jen goes, oh, Grams, I meant to tell you, the Lord faxed while you were out earlier. Something about the apocalypse. <laughs> the Lord fa- the Lord sent a fax while you were out. Yes. Go, Jen. <laughs> I love her sass. It's like, it's my spirit animal. Jen is my spirit animal. Yeah, she really is. And also, LOL at a fax. All of it. It's a solid, that's a solid line. Solid burn. And just... Really quick, wanted to know, I guess we're all cool with Grandpa in a coma, just being at the other house, all alone. I started to write this down, but then they address it. They did? Yes. So I wrote down, Grams and Jen are just leaving Grandpa at home alone during this hurricane. But then with a very quick, subtle line of dialogue, they say that Grandpa's back in the hospital. Oh. So I crossed it out and was like oh got it got it got it because that would have been a huge thing to like just do like he'll be fine he's in a coma anyway uh and then jen and dawson are out on the porch where things are obviously not going well in their young romance she tries to kiss him and he literally puts a wicker bookshelf between them like dawson what are you doing you got jen brilliant smart funny kind adorable wanting to hang out with you for a reason unknown to literally everyone on the show and every single viewer, and you are blocking her with a wicker bookshelf. Way to go, dude. Then we've got Gail on the phone with Softie Bob. I, I don't know what it was about it, but seeing her on her phone in the staircase of the home where she lives with her husband and son, talking to Bob and blowing kisses, I got very mad at her. Stupid. All I wrote was, stupid Gail, you deserve this. Yeah, 100%. So now, and then Dawson sees it also. Dawson's at the staircase, and as she's blowing her dumb kisses, Dawson, like, makes one heavy step next to her. And so now Gail knows that he knows. Good. I mean, how could he not? She's lucky at this point that Mitch doesn't know. Yeah. For now, at least. (laughs) Um, 
Gail tries to talk to Dawson and says that there are reasons. And Dawson's like, okay, I, I, give me your stupid reasons. Like, yeah, if you, ha- you have your stupid reasons. Let me hear them. Gail's like, uh, well, and then Dawson just leaves. Dawson's like, tell me your reasons. Actually, never mind. And he goes into his bedroom where Jen is. Jen's just hanging out, obviously. Like, she's at her boyfriend's house. She's hanging out in her boyfriend's room. Yeah. And she kind of tries to stick up for Gail a little bit. I don't really know why you would do that. Uh, But she does. She's trying to be nice and and calm him down a little bit. And Dawson's like, oh, of course you would take her side. You've had sex. So everybody's the same in my book. Yep. Here we go with the slut shaming. Bring it on, Dawson. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen, your girl, not having it. Good. She's not just a queen. She's a K-W-E-E-N in this scene. I loved it. I was here for it. I love anytime anyone tells Dawson off, but especially Jen, because she's from New York. Mm-hmm. She's a cardiothoracic slutty surgeon from New York. She owns it. I love her. Where's her show? It is. It should be just called Jen's Place. <laughs> um, Jen leaves. And Dawson flops down on his bed and hears a sneeze because, once again, Joey's just hanging out in the closet. Joey and her trestles, still knowing no boundaries. Joey reminds him that they used to play Peter Pan when they were kids, and Dawson says, we're not kids anymore. And then Joey replies, oh, that's right, it's up there on the we're too old for this list, which includes sleeping over. Joey, you created that list, my dude. Like, I'm really on, I'm as on Joey's side as you are on Jen's side always. But Joey, like you, this was the list that you made. Yeah. Like, bro, you've made your bed. Dawson's not in it, but you got to lie in it. Yeah. And sorry about it. It's for the better good. Uh, Dawson's still being kind of rightfully pouty and still taking it on Joey. And Joey, Joey tells him to get over himself because at least his mom's alive. And Dawson's like, oh, yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. She pulls the uh, dead mom card, which is pretty brutal. Yeah. And then leaves. And yeah, she's like, well, your mom's alive and mine's dead. So bye. And that's the scene. Go go hide out on the porch for an act and a half. You won't see me again for a couple minutes. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Because then right away, Gail sits down with Joey. Well, after this, then she's going to have some time. Some yeah. solo time. Uh, so Joey leaves and Gail finds her just sitting on the stairs by herself. Because where else? These stairs in this house, like every once in a while you get a shot of, like if you go look at the shot of Gail on the phone with Bob and Dawson overhearing it. The architecture of this house is very confusing to me to try and figure out where all these stairs are and all these landings and everything. Yeah. Because Joey's on stairs that are hidden. Like, she went to a, to the staircase to go hide. Well, it was not a great hiding spot. No, Gail found her right away. Immediately. Immediately. And there she tells Joey that she's going to end her affair with Softy Bob. If I were Joey, I'd be like, please leave me out of this. Yeah, I'm 15. I don't understand. I don't have the emotional capacity to understand what you're going through. So please stop talking to me about it. I have trestles to run down my behind my ear. I have your son's closet to hide in constantly. And I'm growing genitalia. No, she's not. Your son is growing genitalia, as you know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Over at Tamara's house, Pacey and Doug are waiting each other out. Who's going to leave first and who's going to be able to stay with Tamara? You know? Uh, Doug heads out to check on some noise they heard, and Pacey tells Tamara that Doug's gay. Just immediately tries to toss some water on what he thinks is a little romance between Tamara and Doug. He's like, well, he's gay. So, And Tamara's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, great. 
Well, we find out later in these scenes why Tamara is so cool with the gays, but we'll get there. Pacey is coming off very insecure, sweet, sweet Pacey. But And why wouldn't he? He's 15. This is like his first love. He lost his virginity to this woman. And she's pretty. Pretty stupid. But pretty. <laughs> so, like, why wouldn't he be upset and jealous and weird? Totally. Pacey tries to kiss Tamara, and Tamara playfully says quick reminder this is a felony yes she is so self-aware that she is wrapped up in a felony case that it's almost sick no it is sick it's definitely sick but every time she acknowledges it it's it's just confusing Mm -hmm. they kind of playfully flirt and knock over the table right as doug walks back in uh basically catching pacey on top of tomorrow did you think that they got caught like do you think doug saw the kiss or no um, in the moment where Doug comes in, it sort of looks like Doug maybe thinks there's more going on. Mm. I think it's so out of the realm of possibility for Doug to even think that his 15-year-old brother is sleeping with this, like, 40-year-old woman who is his teacher that, like, it wouldn't cross my mind. That's, you know what, that, that's, that's very fair. Uh, and then back at home, Mr. Man Meets Underwater Fish Extravaganza. Still happening. Yay. He's so ambitious. I know. He's telling Dawson, like, when this restaurant takes off, it's never going to take off. You, you want your servers to wear scuba gear. It's called the Kelp. That's where we learned that this restaurant is called the Kelp. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that tracks. No, still not great. So, uh, not going to take off no matter what. But no, it, really, the final nail in the coffin is the Kelp. It sounds like an STD, the Kelp. Oh, got the Kelp. Gail got the Kelp. Gail definitely got If anybody's got the Kelp in this scene, it's it's Gail. For it's sure. Gail. Uh, so as they're talking about the kelp, Gail walks in to talk to Mitch and Dawson. The scene takes you on a little bit of a roller coaster. So first, Dawson's like, I'm going to leave to talk because he knows. And Gail's like, nope, this everybody has to learn this information at the exact same time, except for Dawson already knows. So Dawson, I just want you to be here as a witness yeah. while I break your father's heart because I'm the worst. And then she starts talking about how her career isn't really going and and you think maybe she's gonna quit her job or like it's just not the conversation that you think is going to be had and then you find out that she's been having this affair for 62 days that's how she tells him yes so first I thought this whole conversation was like a misdirect of her asking for a divorce because she wanted to make something more of herself which I actually would have liked and then I was really surprised to hear that the affair was only going on for two months Right? Doesn't it seem like it should have been going on longer? It seems like it should have been going on longer, but I guess they're still in like that honeymoony phase of their relationship, so... That is true. But anyway, so the hurricane's about to be unloaded onto Mr. Manmeat. And that's our act. That's the end of the act, is um, Gail telling Mitch in front of their teenage son. And we go out with a crack of thunder, and there goes the electricity. Very dramatic. Uh, Some very well-placed thunder in this episode yeah thunder really going for the drama uh, and then we come back in mitch instead of responding to gail's news <laughs> jumps into action in his anger over this news and in the search for batteries he knocks over the kelp the poor that's uh, all of his hard work is on the floor now his spongebob squarepants themed oh. restaurant now he'll never make it uh mitch leaves gail cries and grams comes in to offer some support when we get to this the most troublesome scene scene for grams lot to unpack which i think is coming up but grams really takes you for a ride here in this episode because very sweet in here trying to 
um, kind of check in on Gail, make sure she's okay. Gail, not interested. Mm-hmm. A lot of screen time for Grams in this episode. I like Grams a lot. I can't say I liked her through this entire episode, but I liked her a lot. Right. Or, you know, in general, but not through this episode. Uh, back in tomorrow's, Doug just continues to shit on Pacey, which gives us more insight into who Pacey is. And this is what I was kind of alluding to last episode, but then got myself into a corner because I don't want to give any spoilers to you or to anybody who's listening without having watched the show, which is kind of a wild idea that somebody would be like, this is my time to watch a show yeah. from 1998. To watch a show and then subsequently listen to it this these two idiots talking on this podcast. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's something that would also only happen in a pandemic. Yeah, for sure. You know, when, once you've listened to all of your podcasts, then it's time to start listening to Dawson's Darlings. Yep. We are the last resort podcast. And we're, we know that. Yeah, we accept it. Um, I, I do feel for Pacey. Like, this guy does not have a good home life. And as his character develops more, we're going to learn more about his home life. And then you'll also learn a little bit more about his just what what kind of guy he is he just you know I I don't know I I feel for him and like we're starting to show that a little bit in this episode where you see that you know he's got a brother who shits on him all the time his family doesn't really expect much of him and uh he's still a nice guy yeah he's sweet Tamara not from London not from Westshire or wherever as we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. she's from New York. Everyone from the show is from New York. That's, the, that's like the opposite of of uh, Cape Side. Yeah. And I also love, and they say it in this scene, but they've also kind of alluded to it the whole episode. Everyone seems just like very gobsmacked that they're getting a hurricane in North Carolina. Yeah. In 1998, like global warming was definitely something that people kind of talked about. And especially now, especially, you know, New Jersey got hit with Hurricane Sandy a couple, what was it, 10 years ago, maybe, I guess. And it's just, it was really funny to me that people are so surprised that in North Carolina, on the coast, they are so shocked they're getting a hurricane. It's weird. Yeah. Tamara, you moved into a house on the beach. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I am not as much of a hurricane expert as I once thought, but it seemed a little weird. Did you once fancy yourself a hurricane expert? You know, there was a time. Hurricane Zaz. <laughs> uh, Pacey attempts to pour some more cold water on Tamara and Doug flirting by asking Doug what musical he'd want to star in. He says Tony from West Side Story. Weren't we just talking about West Side Story or was it the Newsies that you were telling me I got to watch? Um, both. I love both. Okay. Um, but Tony. Well, so that's funny. Have you ever seen West Side Story? Mm-mm. Tony in West Side Story is perhaps the most hetero character there is. So if that was any indica- any indication that uh, Doug is straight, they they were like, "What's the most straight character in any musical ever?" <laughs> Tony from West Side Story. That's who he's got to love. Also, Tony from West Side Story was a babe. Really? Oh my god, it was so cute. The movie or on Broadway? Well, I'm thinking of the movie. I haven't seen either. At Leary's House of Heartache, <laughs> Bessie and Bodie are still debating the circumcision. Bodie says, "We don't even know if it'll be a boy or girl," and Graham says. Or black or white. Insert that uh, awkward face emoji here with the gritting teeth. Yeah, this is a very cringy moment. Because one, mm-hmm. who cares? Why are you just so racist? Why do you give a shit about this baby? I don't know, man. It was unfortunate, this whole storyline. Yeah. Uh, Bodie asks what she objects more to. Uh, them being in an interracial relationship or them not being married. Graham says that she objects to the idea of children raising children and to prepare for the baby to be pretty harshly judged. So I guess she's 
showing them what that'll look like in the scene. Like, Yeah. I'm like, okay, Grams, you're doing a real good job of giving them a little preview now. Yeah. I, I don't understand what this, the point of this scene is. Maybe, I guess, except to say, hey, in 1998, this is what an older woman in the South would have been like in this situation. But I also, I just got into a conversation that was sort of about this last week. It's like, okay, sure, that, that may have been in 1998. Maybe this is how Grams would have been in this situation. I don't think it's necessary here. Yeah. It was especially disheartening that um, neither Bess or Bodie stood up for themselves. Which would have given this whole like mini storyline about racism a little bit of a purpose. But instead it's kind of just shining a light on it rather than giving it any kind of lesson or, you know, purpose. Exactly. Especially for a show like this where everything has entrails, you know? Yeah. This just feels like, what was the point? Uh, Out on the porch, Jen runs into Joey, who, like her, is hiding from Dawson. Joey says Dawson's just mad because of his ego. How could there be anybody before me? How could I measure up? Then they start talking about it literally. And Joey says that there's probably a ruler in his bathroom. And Jen asks uh, what it's marked up as. And she also says, do you think he has a pistol or a rifle? Yes. Then there's a beat where they're both very clearly thinking about his penis. I don't love this whole conversation where I usually love Jen and Joey scenes, but I don't want to hear anybody talking about Dawson's peach. I do really like scenes where they're together. I do not like this scene. It's so weird. It's also weird because Jen knows that Joey likes Dawson. Everyone knows except for Dawson. Yeah. So it's just a weird conversation to be having. Yeah, it is. With someone who you know also has feelings for your boyfriend. Exactly. Talk about Pacey's penis. Yeah, I mean, girls do this all the time. Sorry, guys. I think you know this, but it's weird when there's feelings on both ends. So that's something that happened. Uh, Joey says Dawson was wrong to yell at Jen. Then, because now they're friends, uh, says Dawson probably has an above average penis and kind of gives a little shrug when Jen says, oh, so you have thought about it. Joey's like, "Mm, maybe. (laughs) Maybe I have. He has long fingers. And she does say something like, you know, his feet and his hands and stuff. <laughs> Joey, make it more clear that you think about it on a daily basis. Constantly thinking about it. Constantly. Back in the home, Dawson's trying to, to put the kelp back together. Aww. Which is like very sweet and sad to watch. It is. It's a bummer. I know. Graham's coming off of this like scene where she looks terrible. Comes in and helps Dawson. Very nice. It's like this is the room where Graham's can be nice. This is yeah. the magic room. She's only a sweetheart in the kitchen office. Where are they? I think they're in Mr. Mamie's like office, side office area. Grams is only a sweetheart in this little office area. Everywhere else, she's a bigot. Exactly. Yeah, you know, she's like, I can let my guard down and be nice. <laughs> Grams tells Dawson that she likes how in old movies, when a, a character falls down from their pedestal, they can get back up again. Which is a great sentiment yeah it's like a nice little moment grams can relate to dawson why couldn't she be this way before i don't know the woman can't even say the word penis out loud uh pacey continues to play monopoly kind of by himself i guess and tamara and doug talk musicals doug asks tamara out and she says yes because she thinks he's gay and then he says it'll be a real date it's like a weird way to get to her delivery of this line the writers had to kind of Take Doug on a little bit of a walk here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hand-holding. Uh, Tamara says, well, not a real date because he's gay. 
Doug assumes Pacey told her that, and Tamara tries to cover for him, but it doesn't work. It's a very calm moment. Yes. And then it's suddenly not calm. No. (laughs) This psychopath pulls a gun on his own brother to be like, tell her I'm not gay. (laughs) (laughs) What? And you get a little bit more insight into Pacey's life, too, because Pacey says, it's okay. It happens all the time. Why does that happen all the time? Not a great home life. Not a great home life. Not a great, kind of an awkward time to, I don't know. I feel like there's something to say about cops. Um, But I also want to go back to um, (laughs) the fact that Tamara says that she has good gaydar because she lived on Christopher Street in uh, New York, which I laughed at. Because that's like being like, I'm not racist. I've watched The Wire. So I'm like, good. She's like, I have good gator. I lived amongst the gays. So like, we're good. <laughs> that was so dumb. Tamara is so dumb. <laughs> anyway, back to the psychopath, Doug, and his red flags. Yeah. <laughs> red flags all over the place here. Pacey finally tells Tamara that he's not gay. And then suddenly Doug's just like, oh, that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. So we play in. Whose turn is it? I'm are, the shoe. Are you the thimble? Oh, oh man. At the Leary's, Mitch has been sitting in his car for a solid third of the episode. Uh-huh. And finally, Gail gets it, which I, she's soaking wet and just gets into the car. Right. Did she do a couple laps around the house in the rain before she got in the car? Like, why was the short walk from the front porch to the car so, like, drench worthy? And for the record, she's that drenched throughout. She's that soaked the rest of the episode. She never gets dry. Yes. And she later on, she'll be on the porch still drenched. But we just saw Joey on the porch dry. Very dry. The screened in porch. I guess I guess it's Hurricane Gail. Oh, Oh. Mitch. As soon as Gail gets in, Mitch knows right away. It's Bob, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The guy knows. And then he recounts how the first time he saw Gail, He just knew he loved her. And I like that he said, love is a decision that you make. I thought that was a nice way to describe it. Yeah, that's a very sweet thought. He says, you know, like, love is a decision you make. Like, we've, I've loved you for 20 years. We've gotten past everything. And he kind of like, you know, brushes at her face a little bit. And it's like a very tender moment. You think they're going to be okay. And then he's like, now the decision I'm making is to not love you anymore. Now I hate you. That's it. It's done. Yeah, this scene took a turn. Mr. Manmeat took a turn. He went from Mr. Manmeat to Mr. Menace. <gasps> Thank you. Because um, this was a very menacing delivery, and I got a little scared and turned on. But scared? No, this was, I mean, especially coming off of the last scene where Doug pulls a gun on his brother just to say I'm not gay, Mr. Leary really kind of goes from zero to 100 on, like, being a little of the same. I think, I know he's hurt and heartbroken, but... I was nervous. I got nervous. Yeah, I don't like how he's being painted in this scene. And then also earlier when the power goes out and he's looking for the batteries, he like very aggressively um, shoves a flashlight in Gail's face. Like, don't you cry. Like, it, I don't like these moments for him. And I yeah. don't think we ever see this side of him again. Oh, good. If I remember correctly. But we're good. coming up on just a couple episodes from now. We'll be at... Because I started rewatching the show before I suckered you into this podcast. <laughs> and then I stopped rewatching the show because we were going to go through it together. But in a couple episodes from now, we'll be at, like, I haven't seen the show in a little while, also. Oh, nice. So 
I don't remember him ever being like this again, but you know, in a few episodes from now, it'll be the show that I haven't seen in a few years. So maybe I'm not remembering it all. And then Mitch drives off. He yells at her to get out of the car. He drives off. This is the longest day ever. Yes. It's like always, it was, I feel like when the power went out, it was nighttime, but it's still daytime Mm -hmm. somehow. It's just the longest day in Dawson's Creek history. It's like the day that they were filming the movie. Yes. It's just the longest day. Maybe in Cape Side, it's just always sunlight. Maybe. The sun never goes down in Cape Side. Sun never goes down in Cape Side. That, I think that might have been on the poster at some point. Then we're, that's the end, the end of the act. Then we've got the next morning. The storm has cleared. Does it happen that fast? Uh, yeah, I mean, a hurricane doesn't last for many days, typically, like the damage does. But, I mean, it's just like a storm, but like on steroids. Uh, so the storm clears. Doug and Pacey leave Tamara's house. Doug apologizes for pulling a gun on Pacey. He's like, oh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> and then still wants to take her out. Sorry about the gunplay. So you, we're good still? Like, do you still want to go out? <laughs> Tamara says she's seeing somebody. Pacey delights in because obviously that's who she's referring to. Oh, yikes. <laughs> um, yeah. In the house, Dawson and Jen finally talk. Jen has some stuff she needs to say. Yes. She's like, hear me out. Yes. We've covered in this episode homophobia, racism. And now we're going to get into rape. Yeah, we're going to get into the fact. So Jen tells the story about how she loses her virginity at age 12. Whoa. um, To an older guy who got her drunk. So I was very disappointed when I was watching this scene because she was raped at age 12. Let's just call it what it is. And I was disappointed that it wasn't brought up. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was raped. And I actually went as far to Google, like, the history of using the term rape in television. Um, I didn't go that far into it because I was also afraid of spoilers because I feel like that might be something that happens at some point in this series. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you yes or no. I know. I just feel like with the dr- the drama of this show, like why not? But, and I know it was the WB, it was a family network. So, you know, I don't think anyone's really thrown around the word rape in 1998 on the WB, but I was, you know, I guess, as a 30-something-year-old feminist, was really disappointed to, that she was... She didn't say sorry for it, but she was basically explaining herself and trying to justify the fact that she was raped at age 12. It was disappointing. It was disappointing. Like, there's really nothing more to say about it except that it was disappointing. It is. It's super disappointing. And it's disappointing because it feels like she had a past that Dawson doesn't love, and they, the writers just were like, how can we amp up this drama more? And they kind of saddle her with this, like, awful thing. I, I mean, just on its face. Like, if you really, you know, just this, this 12-year-old girl was raped by an adult, presumably mm-hmm. an adult. And, um, and and that's, like, that the writers chose to give make that the story for her being, like, the bad girl that moves to Cape Side from New York. Very sad. Yeah, 100% agree. Because she gets slut-shamed ever since she admits that she's not a virgin. Mm-hmm. By Dawson, mostly. So, yeah. Still love Jen, though. Still love Jen. Love her more. Because yeah. she's so resilient. Yeah, she's resilient. She fucking owns it. She's like, whatever, dude. You intimidated by all this? Get over it. Jen says she can't apologize from, for her past, but it sounds like some Brett Kavanaugh-looking assholes need to do a whole lot of apologizing to her. Yeah. Maybe legally. 
from behind bars. <laughs> Dawson has a very nice apology to her for, you know, for, for Dawson. For Dawson. And for a 15-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a little redemption for him in this scene. Yeah. They have a nice little hug. Everything, uh, Everything's back to normal, including Dawson's dumbass punctuating their scene by saying, take two. He says what? I say, he says take two, but he says it like also kind of whimpering and sad as they're hugging. They want to, Dawson's like, I want to like, you know, start over or whatever. And they're hugging and he's so sad. He goes, take two. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so now we're back to normal because he likes films again. <laughs> Dawson, get one other hobby. Just one. Know about something else. <laughs> Just one. Even if you're into, like, you know, the mechanics of down pillows or something or down comforters, anything else. I only said down comforters because I'm very cozy right now. <laughs> of everything to choose. <laughs> pillows. <laughs> I was thinking, like, know what an ERA is in baseball. <laughs> you were like, yeah. understand the mechanics of a down pillow and a down throw. Uh, he's living in one of the greatest sports eras of all time we got michael jordan we have Derek jeter we have the yankees god 1998 that is a great era i know as tomorrow continues to put her house back together pacey comes back he asks if she was trying to make him jealous of her and doug and then pacey who's falling in love with tomorrow says that she's jealous of everyone she's ever been with uh, i gulped yeah. i think i gulped out loud when he said he was falling in love with her i don't like it no. Because that's also kind of like setting it up to make this story a little romantic and cute, but it's not. They, I mean, they are trying to make it romantic and cute. It's not. It's illegal no, and a felony. Uh, Tamara says they're getting sloppy. Again, she has like one second of lucidity. She has this every couple episodes where she'd be like, this is, I mean, earlier in the episode, she said it's a felony, but like in a flirty way. But here she has this a moment of lucidity where she says we're getting sloppy. And we're going to get caught, so we need to to stop. Yes, we need to be more discreet, even though no one in Cape Sides know how to, and no one in Cape Side knows how to be discreet about any wrongdoings that they're <laughs> partaking in. But suddenly Tamara's moral compass is kicking in, and she's like, well, if we're going to have this illegal, disgusting affair, we got to be smart about it. And let's go bone in my house now. <laughs> now that your cop brother is gone, who obviously has a really weird temper. And by the way, he's not gone they're just pacey says that he snuck over there so they're still doing putting flags on the sand or whatever they were doing in the beginning of the episode <laughs> you know putting the warning flags up they're uh they're still doing that yeah he's just snuck away for a second so the threat is not gone because doug took down like one board on the window and then was like all right i'll be right back and that was it the rest <laughs> yeah. of the boards are still up on the windows and pacey's God. like this is my moment and then we're back at the Leary's house. Mr. Manmeat returns. Yay. Yay. He's calm now. Uh, he asked Gail why she didn't. Gail says she has no reason. She just woke up one day, realized her life was perfect, and decided she wanted to burn it all down. I actually really loved this scene. I thought it was really great, really well written. It felt very real. and was very full of emotion. It was sweet and sad at the same time. And it was actually kind of refreshing to see like some drama come out of two characters that aren't the kids. It's so interesting to watch it, one, being in our 30s, and but also watching it in 2021, because television is just so, so different. Like, you, 
a lot of teen dramas that you watch now, you kind of forget that there are parents at all. Or the parents are written to be out, out of the show because they just, like, they don't want to deal with adult drama because it's a show for teens. But I like that they are dealing with the parents' drama. Like, they're given, you know, Mitch and Gail a real storyline here. And I like that she doesn't have a reason. I, I think that that's a, a very real, like, a rooted in real life thing. I agree. It's not overly complicated. It's very simple. And it's, I think, something that a lot of people can probably relate to. Uh, and I kind of liked this, like, as I was taking notes, I was like, just write what's happening. But in my, as I was writing that, I was like adding a lot of fluff to the note that I was writing. But I do like this shot of them sitting together. They're like close to each other. They don't want to talk anymore. Mitch doesn't want to talk to her because um, she tries to apologize. And he like that. He wanted to hear why, but then that's it. He doesn't want to hear an apology. Yeah. He's not ready for that yet. But I like the shot of her in the porch, the screened in porch, and him sitting just outside of the porch. They're like kind of close together, but there's separation in... there. Yeah, I like that a lot. And we go out on this scene, right? No. Oh. We got one more. Dawson finds Joey. Did you stop watching? Because it was Dawson. You're just like, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Uh, in the last scene Dawson finds Joey in his room of course and apologizes for being an ass Joey apologizes for using quote the mother card and then these two I think I just was really in like maybe I should have just been writing instead of watching the show because I was like this I don't know like I found these last two scenes to be very touching because these two little sad friends go into the closet and play Jaws together yeah I thought it was very sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just can't spend any more time <laughs> thinking about how Joey should just move on from Dawson and like mm -hmm. separate herself from this toxic friendship. And then the production side of me just pictured Katie Holmes and James Vanderbeek sitting in the closet reading like famous lines from Jaws. In the most awkward way, because that's how it was delivered. Katie Holmes is like, yeah. we're going to need a bigger boat. And it completely <laughs> took me out of it. I'm sorry it did. But I get I get the sentiment there. It was a sweet moment, but I liked the scene previous to that more. Yeah. I think leaving on that, if it wasn't a teen show, a show directed towards teens, we probably would have left on Mitch and Gale, but obviously... Yeah. The show is called Dawson's Creek, so we got to leave with Dawson. But um, <laughs> I was picturing also on the same lines of production, just how small we know that closet is. <laughs> yeah. And them just being in there. They're both like tall people just stuck in there. <laughs> reading their little lines. Probably right. Crammed they're together. probably like three inches apart from each other. Yeah. <laughs> when we get Katie Holmes on the show, she'll tell us everything in detail about that closet. Anyway... Anyway, all right, Zaz, you want to tell people where they can find you on Instagram and Twitter? Yes, at Ashley Zaz, Z-A-Z-Z. -Z. How about you? Uh, you can find me at Kim Moffat, M-O-F-F-A-T. And you can find us at Dawson's Darlings on Instagram. Really premium content there, I gotta say. So good. <laughs> and come back next week where we're talking about episode six, Baby. Oh, Baby. Mm -hmm.